Hey, Hudson Valley Disc Golfers, what is going on? I know, right? It's not even Wednesday. The truth is, I did not like the way that last podcast came out. I feel like I got a five on it, and now I'm just trying to play it smart and get a par on this one. It was rushed. It felt like work, and it showed. Any good that came from it can be credited to Jaquop, who gives very good interview. I self-imposed the deadline, and I realized that's not what I want to do. Trying to have a planned format with a set release schedule is not really fun. Maybe down the line when I figure out what I'm doing, but for now, I'm just going to play it by ear. By that, I mean that each episode, I'm going to do exactly what I want. If it sucks, it sucks. I gotta find my legs before worrying about things like formats and schedules. I gotta think about what I would want and hope it matches what you guys want. If it isn't, it isn't. Thank you for your time. We now return you to your irregularly scheduled program. On this episode of the Hudson Valley Disc Golf Podcast, the Disc Golf Road Trip, a staple of the disc golf experience. If you haven't participated in one yet, you're doing it wrong. If you live in downstate like me and you haven't made the day trip to Jay Park, you're missing out. If you live in Westchester and haven't played Warwick, or you live in Warwick and haven't checked out Mount Kisco, or you live anywhere in New York State and haven't played Gardner, you're missing out. You can play your home course all you want, but you'll never know your true abilities unless you've played the unknown. New York is quite dense in disc golf courses, but it pales in comparison to the Allentown area. A mere two-hour drive gets you into the heart of East Coast disc golf per capita. One man was smart enough to smell this potential for greatness. One man dared to play more courses than the actual laws of time and space would allow and fail. One man who, for as long as I've known JFAT, I don't think I've ever met. His name is Joe. He is an enigma. To hear the stories, he was either brilliant or dumb like rocks. Whether I've met him or not, I'm certain that I'd like him. Unfortunately, I did not speak with Joe. I did, however, get a chance to speak with someone who was there at the beginning, and I was able to get his perspective. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you JFAT, a.k.a. Jeffrey Feldheim, a.k.a. Fatty, a.k.a. that cool guy with the beard that you played with in that one tournament that one time. All right, so, uh, Jay Fat, you've been doing this this trip for seven years now, correct? Uh, we've been doing it for seven. I think it was last year we missed, so this is actually our sixth year. Okay, and how did, uh, how did the idea for the trip come about? Well, originally it came about because my buddy Joe, we had started playing. He went on Disc Golf Course Review, and you can pull up a map of an area, and this was seven years ago now, so there weren't that many courses in our area, and... I mean, within a 30-minute radius, there were like 30 courses to pick from. And he was just like, we should go there for a weekend. And he had grand ideas. It was four of us. We were going to hit six courses, I think, the first day in his vision and 10 on Saturday. But I didn't really think that would happen, and it did not happen. But the idea was just disc golf is fun and to remember how much fun it is because you're out here playing a lot of doubles casual play and just remembering why you play the game so who was the first crew first crew was joe warren a friend of mine at work antonio cantala and mark walter uh antonio i've known through work and uh, i've known him for about 15 years now joe i had known for about four years through work and mark i'd known about eight years through antonio and antonio's been on every other trip Yes, he's been on every other one. All right, well, thanks for taking a couple minutes. You got it. Thanks, J-Fat. You are the man. However, he is only one man. Fatty does a great job of planning this trip, but when you need a cabin key or to find out where the toilet paper is located, he'll probably just give you a beer. So, what you need is a man behind the man, that unsung hero of the day-to-day. You need Shane Lambert. All right, Shane, um, how did you hear about this uh, J-Fat trip? J-Fat, Antonio... Uh, another friend, Mark, and another friend of theirs, Joe. Jay Fat just found a concentrated amount of courses in Allentown and decided we're just going to go check it out this weekend. Uh, I was una- unable to go to the first one. Uh, but you've been to everyone since? I've been to everyone since. 
better and better. And the last couple of years, it's just gotten bigger and bigger. Um, who is the, I don't, do I want to say undisputed or slightly disputed champ of Liar's Dice this at, for this trip <laughs> for this specifically? Trip. For Actually, let's say for Saturday night or Friday night of this trip <laughs> Friday, specifically. <laughs> Friday night. I believe after final tally, I think it was Pat Keenan <laughs> who took Friday night's Liar's Dice championship. <laughs> Thanks for taking a couple minutes there, yeah, Shane. Yeah, no problem. Appreciate Brad, it. Thank you. All right. Thanks a lot, Shane. Uh, so over this weekend, I got to play three plus new courses, Little Lehigh, Covered Bridge, Blue Mountain, and multiple rounds at Hackett Park, not to be confused with Hackett Hill and Hyde Park. And of course, we always start the trip off with a visit to Jordan Creek on Friday. I say three plus new courses because I didn't play all of Blue Mountain. However, I did ride the chairlift solo and walked almost the entire course to catch up with the guys. And next time, I may even realize that there is a safety bar I could have pulled down on that chairlift. The reason I was late to the course is because I took the opportunity of this trip to meet up with former Beacon local and current Pennsylvania resident Ryan Nelson. What follows is the front nine of our round in which we hear his origin story, as well as a few tips I know I made note of. I hope you enjoy it. I am here at Hackett Park in Easton, Pennsylvania with the reigning Blaze champion, Ryan Nelson. He's agreed to play a round with me and answer some questions. Thanks for being here uh, today, Ryan. Thank you, Pat. Thanks for uh, making the drive down. So <laughs> how did you hear about disc golf? I guess the first time I, I sort of stumbled into uh, my first disc golf course, I was camping back when I was about you know, 10, 12 years old. I think it was somewhere in Connecticut. I was I was actually looking up disc golf scene or uh, disc golf course review, trying to figure out which course it was. It looked like it might have been the course at Tolland State Park, where my family and I used to go camping. You know, we were hiking in the woods, and I came across those the baskets and thought they were trash cans, <laughs> like <laughs> like many or people grills, or, or grills or something like that. Traps. 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 Yeah, so that, I mean, that was the first time I stumbled into a disc golf course. But um, actually, when I was in college in Troy, uh, New York, at RPI. I was on the, you know, the ultimate team for a semester. I, I couldn't do the, you know, the 8 a.m. practices. You know, I was busy, busy doing college things. And uh, they used to play, they used to have a uh, an object course that they used to play with ultimate lids. So that was sort of my first introduction into, you know, the concept of, of uh, Frisbee golf. You know, I played that a couple times, just hitting buildings on, on campus, and that was a lot of fun. And so it wasn't until a couple years later that I actually picked up a, a disc golf disc and tried my first round there. So we're at Hole 1 here at Hackett Park. Can you tell me a little bit about it? Sure. Uh, hole 1's probably probably the most aceable hole on the course. I personally haven't got it myself uh, just yet. 250 feet, straight shot. You've got OB down. you got a fence along the left. You've got road on the right. And the basket is sort of tucked up on the back right, you know, 15, 20 feet away from the road. I'm just going to pump a judge out there you know, land a little bit left of the pin. I see a lot of people take forehand lines. There is some trees on the top left that you got to avoid, but it's a pretty straightforward hole. So let's go ahead and throw this one. All right. Do you remember the first time you played disc golf? You know, I, I can remember the first couple of times I played. So when I was living in uh, in Hoboken, you know, right after I graduated college, um, not a lot of disc golf within the uh, greater New York City area. So, you know, I had picked up a starter pack, probably ordered it online at some point. You know, I was interested in playing mostly because, of, you know, playing ultimate in college and uh the closest course that i saw was it was either mawa camp or graystone uh, which is about 45 minutes west of hoboken so i went out there i you know might have had might have dragged some of my non-ultimate friends along at the time and uh, i think i think that was probably my first course was probably graystone that i played which is a tough tough course i think for, for you know first time players a lot of water there okay so now we're at hole two you want to tell me about that one 
Sure. Um, so hole two, another pretty gettable hole, even though I parred the first hole. Uh, I like to say that this co- this uh, fairway is the, the most expensive fairway in disc golf. It's got that piece of art structure in it. <laughs> There's actually three three art pieces of art, and these actually got installed. I think it was sometime last year, and uh, so so we're in a public park in Easton, uh, Hackett Park maintained by the city you know they don't really give the uh the disc golf course uh, you know a ton of love they certainly help with the mowing um and you'll see some of the holes in the second half of the back nine that are uh, kind of tucked in there so it, it's it's really nice that they you know take the time to to get a mower mm-hmm. you know right on mower down there and, and help us with the fairways you know to everybody's surprise plop these huge large steel sculptures basically in the middle of the fairway it was a tunnel to begin with. with it was a beautiful tunnel to begin with. Yep. And now you can't, you got to go, I guess, out and around. Correct. Yeah. So now you can either, so basically we're looking at a 240 foot hole. Um, it plays in the middle of a, of an island in a parking lot. So you've got OB basically 360 around the fairway and you've got a nice line of trees in the middle. But because the sculptures are right there, your only options are, uh, you know, either a hyzer, you know, nice backhand, mm-hmm. right hand hyzer or left. And the uh, the basket's kind of pinched up on the end there, so uh, definitely yeah. a lot of risk how, how, OB. Uh, how far behind the basket is OB? I'd is say it... probably forty feet. Okay, so uh-huh. it's outside the circle. Yeah. Okay. Yep. yeah, I'd say the circle's probably all inbound. And what do you th- what are you throwing here? Throwing a firebird. Firebird. Okay. Do you remember the first disc that someone gave to you? So one of the first times I played outside of the you know outside of the East Coast, I went out west probably back in in 2012 2013 uh to visit a buddy out in colorado uh, my friend will and we played um this course ghost town uh for the first time it's a pretty famous course outside of the denver area really goofy um goofy layout but uh, definitely a fun course to play and uh, my friend will gave me a buzz which did yeah. <laughs> that's looking at me yeah <laughs> like but you're a rock not guy. yeah not a rock but a buzz <laughs> Um, and so that was the, the first disc that um, that I was ever, you know, given to me. And it, it totally changed my game because until then, like, my go-to mid-range was a, was a DX Wolf, mm-hmm. which was solid, a little more stable than the Shark. found, uh, like, hole 10 at Camp Goff is where, like, the, it was, like, my one of my first birdies I ever remember with the Wolf. Because yep. it just went straight and then hooked right at the end, but it didn't go down the hill. Yeah, and stayed right up there at the basket, and awesome. so that was my my go to mid range. But as soon as I got the buzz, I found that I could throw the buzz further than I could throw the leopard, further than I can throw anything else. Um, so I I played with that a lot, uh, and and it was what he was throwing, mm-hmm. you know, much further than I was throwing anything in my bag. So I was I was very impressed. A hole three. What, what do we got? Yeah, so hole three is uh, about three hundred feet. You've got you know OB on the right, which is the road. You're probably going to avoid that. Yeah, <laughs> because the basket is actually tucked in on the left underneath that bushel of trees about 300 feet down between this and hole one probably the most aceable holes here so i'm just gonna pipe a like a rock x3 straight let it fade down um underneath the trees there's a tree like a tree line or a rough line on the left is that inbounds it is all inbounds but it's uh you don't want to be there okay so yeah you got (laughs) it's it's pretty uh it's pretty messy in there and behind the basket there's a pretty steep slope so you definitely want to keep it as far right as possible okay um what are you throwing here rock x3 all right uh other than yourself who would you attribute the most to your disc golf improvement ah that's a good question in terms of you know local folks that help i'd say you know one of the one of the guys that's just incredible and how quickly he got he just started and got great with is ryan curtis so and, and he's got the the ball golf background so mm-hmm. you know he's he just 
pays attention in uh, such a detailed way to form. So he helped me a lot just kind of figure out like stupid things like where you place your thumb. Like if you place it more to the be- the middle of your disc, it's going to come out more of an, a- it helps for an ante. Whereas a hyzer, it helps to bring your thumb closer to the rim of the disc. Like silly things like that where, you know, I, it's nothing I would have picked up just watching yeah. somebody throw. Um, but, you know, definitely, definitely Ryan Curtis. So I'd say in terms of YouTube stars, I mean, mm-hmm. I, I was starting to learn how to play during the Macbeth era. So I, you know, I followed the Macbeth diet. Mm-hmm. Picked up my Rock 3, picked up my Thunderbird, picked up my Destroyer, um, kind of took, you know, a lot of cues from his form. Um, so definitely, you know, just watching Central Coast and Jomez in watching whatever I could. Um, so definitely watching Paul uh, play help. Exactly. So this is hole 4, um, yep. 509, but it's downhill. Yeah, 509 downhill, ton of elevation. The basket is tucked. You see that last line of trees down there? Way back there, there's the middle tree. It's directly to the left of the middle three. So it's it's very similar to hole two. It's definitely further than where the cabin is on okay. hole two at Beacon. So you got to really pump one down there, and you do not want to end up short left in that stuff because it's tough to get out. You'll probably get your par. You want to kind of send it out wide, yeah. right? Wide, better, wider, better. Yeah. So what are we throwing here? I'm going to throw a uh, Princeter uh, first run of the splatter. And okay. it's actually the first uh, first one of these I picked up. I've got a ton of spares because I love the disc so much because of how stable it is at the end of the, the, end of the toss. Um, but it, it just seems to get straighter the more beat in it gets, but it still has that bite at the end. And so I'm, I'll, I'll dive into a pond if I lose this guy. <laughs> the first time, like when I was trying to get distance, I found that when I threw a destroyer, I was getting the same amount of distance as I would with a, you know, with a Thunderbird. And so I started throwing my Thunderbird for most of the distance shots. And it wasn't until I was able to pump, you know, a Thunderbird 400 feet that I switched over to destroyer and was able to only get an extra 50 or so, you know. And that's on a, on a perfect pull. Like, I'm not throwing 450 flat ground um, regularly. You said you would dive into a, a lake for that. <laughs> yeah. What is the craziest thing you've ever done to get a disc back? Is there, do you have anything like that? Yeah, I, I mean, I guess, and you guys played it yesterday, so uh, Parkway, Lehigh Parkway down here. Little Lehigh. Little Lehigh. It's not little at all. <laughs> no, there's a, a hole where you've got to cross a stream you got you got to cross the Lehigh River, probably 80 feet wide, and that's deep. It's probably only 10 feet, 15 feet deep. When you play the long position, it's probably a 400, 450-foot pump to get the eagle up. Guys with big arms would try that. I threw something in there at some point, um, probably wasn't going for the eagle, and, and so I dove in, got pretty wet, trying to get a disc back from the Lehigh River. But that's, that's probably the, the most cra- the craziest thing I've done. Well, if you did that now, by the time you dove in, it would be 10 miles down the river. What was the last piece of useful advice another player gave you? Yeah, I'd say, I mean, the, the thing that I've been working on the most, kind of the hole in my game, is a is a longer sidearm. For the most part, I was only forehanding Firebird, Sexton Firebird, for the longest time. And, you know, that's because it's it's really easy to get a nice flex out of it, you know, control anything between 250, 300 feet. But being able to get anything further than that, whenever I piped a destroyer, it was just, it would go right no matter what. Even, you know, I could throw the, the Sexton further. Um, two guys around here, Cam Jennings and... Like uh, Atkinson, both great, just have a tremendous amount of power with their forehand. So just watching them certainly helps a lot, um, but they kind of both gave me the same advice, which is, especially when I started turning over my Firebird a little bit too much, trying to go for distance, just to keep things on a hyzer when you're trying to get distance. 
and using something a little bit more understable. So I've got a an, uh, more understable run of a Macbeth Destroyer that I'll throw for my forehands now. I'm not throwing it with any anti. I'm throwing it with a little bit of hyzer, and it, it'll get that natural turn. And you'll see on hole 14 here that we'll play, which is a really long forehand, I can finally get that extra you know, 50 feet of distance to actually get the, you know, the flight that I want, similar to my backhand. So that, I think that's probably it. That and keep it low, you know, just watching their form. Hole 5 is probably probably one of my top three favorite holes on the course. It's, uh, you've got to, it's, it's basically a little bit of an S. Um, you're gonna, you're going uphill. Um, the whole, whole hole is probably only 500 feet, I'd say, but in order to get, you're going uphill probably 50 to 100 feet in elevation. First shot is a, a hyzer, backhand hyzer. You have to go up about 250, 300 feet and turn hard left to give yourself your second shot at the basket, which is, um, tucked up on a hill in the middle of a fairway, but you've got a gap you got to hit to get there. So if you're anywhere too deep up the hill, you're not going to have an opportunity to get out there. But there's two guardian trees that if you're behind, it really you know makes it difficult to get up there to get your three. Um, definitely, there's there's eagle looks for some great players uh, that can get way up into the clearing, but it's uh, it's a great hole. Um, what's the par? Par four. There are tales of, uh, I think, Blake was able to flex a forehand out of the gap. In any way, would you compare that with four at FDR? Perfect comparison, but uphill. And you're going to Destroyer. I don't know yep. if you said that already. Destroyer. Same thing there. If you could speak with newbie Ryan, who just started playing disc golf, what yeah. one piece of advice would you give him? Practice your putting. Probably the weakest part of my game. It's gotten better, for sure. You know, when I was living in uh, Beacon, I, I didn't really have a backyard. I was in one of those condos outside of uh, Hudson View. And uh, it wasn't until I moved out here, finally I had a... A yard, I could get a basket and practice putting a little bit earlier. But you know, it's funny; it, it makes such a huge difference. I mean, it's obvious. But yeah, I'd say I'd say probably start you know using your putter a little bit sooner. Uh, we had a tournament at South Mountain a couple of weeks back that was called Once Around the Mountain, and it's you got one disc, you're playing one round at South Mountain. And the question you know to a lot of players was, well, you know, some of the holes are a little bit longer there. Would it make more sense to go with the mid? Does it make sense to go with the putter? So at least you're going to be able to clean up your short game. And uh, so I was thinking either or my wizard, and I went with the wizard. Wizard, not the judge. I putt with the wizard, mm -hmm. throw off the tee with the judge. So that was the other question, is it, am I going to be able to clean up strokes if mm -hmm. I'm close? Like, I'll probably be able to park more with the judge. I don't like putting with the judge. It's a little glidier. So I went with the wizard, and actually not even my putting wizard, because I didn't want to lose it or, you know, destroy it. So I went with uh, another one, and uh, I ended up shooting seven down in, in, uh, in a playoff wow. where, and came in second. But yeah, and I think it was a lot of it was because from within forty, you know, forty feet, you're you're more confident with the with the putter there. And it's actually surprising how many holes I was able to get, even some of the distance holes that I throw like a T bird on, I was getting with the with the wizard. So I'd say advice to my younger self would be use your putter more, practice putting more, and throw your putter more for sure. Okay, and uh, we're at hole six. Tell me about it. Yeah, hole six is another another great uh, another great hole. So at two seventy, there's two lines. The one on the right, basically, it's it's a straight shot. You have a small amount of elevation. You've got a large tree right in the middle of the fairway that's sort of on the right side. So. The two approaches are either sneak something to the right of that tree, hyzer line, but it's a lot tighter. Easier play for the folks that have it is, you know, a forehand on the left side, or what I throw is a turnover backhand with, I'll throw a hyzer flip with my Monarch. And this hole actually used to have a lot of stinging nettles on the left side, and some of the guys here, uh, Brad and, and Ron, finally cleared it out so you can actually take a little bit more of a wider line without risk of injury. All right, so how would Ryan, from before you started playing disc golf, 
react to the Ryan of today playing disc golf? You know, I don't think you'd be too surprised. You know, I've, I've always loved, like, throwing disc. I loved ultimate. It was just, you know, all the running. You know, it's funny because I used to run distance. I ran a, c- a couple half marathons, you know, back when I was living in Hoboken, and that was basically the only thing you could do to get active around there. But, yeah, just ultimate was, was pretty exhausting, but I, I really just enjoyed more of the practice, tossing around with your friends. So, and disc golf is just the perfect middle ground. Definitely the lazy man's ultimate. And so, that, and that, so I certainly wouldn't have been surprised I picked it up. Definitely wouldn't have expected how addicted I'd get. <laughs> how was the transition from playing Ultimate to playing disc golf? Yeah, I'd, I'd say it was tough at first because the Ultimate lids are a lot more understable. And the main thing when you're throwing an Ultimate disc is you're trying to get around people. You don't have a, you know, a nice flat surface tee pad to run up on. You also have to plant your feet. So I'd say... You know, I certainly have a lot of power on the forehand from a standstill, which is helpful. And a lot of that comes from, um, you know, having to, to plant your pivot foot when you're playing ultimate. I think the toughest thing was the backhand um, because you're, you know, you want to come inside your chest when you're throwing. And, you know, if you're playing ultimate and you did that, you'd have a guy, you'd smack a guy in the face when you throw that way. So I think getting used to uh, the backhand was tough, but I had a lot of the form. I knew how the disc flew. The funny thing is now I have trouble throwing an ultimate disc. That was going to be my next question. I'll be honest. I was going to say, when's the last time you threw an ultimate disc? Yeah, uh, a couple of weeks back at Lehigh Valley Tag, we were at the sales. A couple of us were, were tossing around the lid and, you know, it's, it's just, it's funny. It's, it feels so much more difficult to control because I think I'm putting so much more snap on it now that it that it feels almost unnatural and the, the rim's so wide. We're on hole seven? Yeah, hole seven, great hole. Uh, let's see, it's about 350 feet. Um, it's a downhill shot. It's a um, pretty narrow tunnel, I'd say probably, you know, 50 feet wide all the way down. The basket sits on a little bit of a hill. Um, it looks flat down there, but mm. a lot of times folks that'll throw mids, it'll scream right past the basket, end up in the shul down there. It reminds me a lot of hole six. 16 at Beacon. Similar shot. I throw a judge. It's just another, you know, you need another 80 feet of distance or so. So, Ryan, you moved from Beacon, where you played pro and are the reigning Blaze champion. We mentioned that before. What division do you play here? So, just to compare the two areas, Lehigh Valley to the Hudson Valley, area down here just has larger concentration of players down here. So, if you compare, like, the Facebook group size, the size of Lehigh Valley disc golf group is, on Facebook, it's like 2,000 people. Long which, Island's like 1,000, and that's a lot. Right. And, yeah. Which, yeah, 2,000 thousand is wedge skylands beacon combined and maybe you know cap, yeah because so there's there's definitely a lot more you know talented guys down here there's there's like five guys that are sponsored in the immediate vicinity i mean certainly up in uh in beacon you've got you know you got your maori cutler and brinster nearby you've got some um some really good players up but down here it's it's i feel like you just have a, a, lar- a higher concentration of uh, of skilled players down in sedgley you've got like chris villa uh you know a couple other pros in the area i'm blanking on names andy defranzo mike Mo comes up from Delaware all the time. When I came down here, I, st- I played advanced, which I never actually played any PD. I still haven't played any PD- PDGA sanctioned pro events, um, but I did win my last two advanced events down here. Um, the Paws and Claws Open and the Kilt Lifter, which is supposed to be at Nakamix and ended up being at SOMO. So I've actually registered for pro for my first you know PDGA pro event at AGA Farms, the Preserve, which is a Steve Burrow designed course down a little bit further south of here. And, you know, I'm looking at who's registered for that, and I'm definitely bottom third. My goal this year was to get up to a 950, and I'm already at 961, so I nice. exceed, exceeded my goal for the year, which is mm-hmm. good. I think I'll, I owe a lot of that to playing so many courses down here. Right. Down here, if you look at 
and, and I was on uh, DGC and looking at this yesterday. You're more prepared than I was. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just because I find oh, it no, so interesting great. how how different the you know the communities are and just the, the density of the courses. So outside of Beacon, 25 miles, there's like nine courses, and that's if you include Warwick, basically Wolfwoods, Wolfwoods Oasis, yeah, Oasis as unique courses. Down here, it's like 35. Within, in that same distance? Yeah, within Allentown. So Allentown is, according to UDISC, the number five in terms of quantity of courses mm-hmm. within a 25, 50, 100-mile radius. That's why we come yeah. on this trip. And yeah. uh, and I think it was like 15th in quality, which makes sense because you've got some some excellent courses here. But it's not like, the, I think the number one was up in Maine where, mm-hmm. you know, there's tons of cool and they, courses. It's and it's all paid for play. Yeah. Right, exactly. Uh, now, has that helped your game or hurt it? I think it's only helped it. Yeah, I think, you know, playing all these different courses, there's so many different uh, shots you have to, to learn. Like hole six back there, that turnover backhand, I didn't have before I moved here, and now I'm a lot more comfortable with it, right? And that's that, like, 350-foot Annie with a backhand to get there. So what you're telling me is I have to move to Pennsylvania to have that <laughs> shot? Hole eight's, um, yeah, we're still in the woods. We're in the shadier area, the back of the front nine. It's a pretty short hole. It's 230. Um, it's uphill a ways though so deceptively it's deceptively a little longer your t-bird's probably going to work out here I, I threw a rock three um the only thing you have to miss is on the right side there's a there's a tree that'll put down any any wide hyzer and then on the inside of the basket on the left side there's um you know some shooly viney stuff that you want to avoid um, so i'm just gonna try to throw a rock straight are you planning on attending gladestock oh. and if so will you be putting up your one tag oh. on a friday round or just during the tournament oh so I, I do have some horrible news. <laughs> my uh, my wife and I have uh, had tickets for a show in New York City at the at the Beacon on Friday night, and uh, so if if anything, I'll show up on Sunday for maybe a, a dubs and tags round. But it's it's certainly a stretch. Yeah, but I will certainly be making it to the Blaze. Uh-huh. It'll be a, a pilgrimage that I'll do every year for sure. But I, I I plan to lose my one tag up in Beacon before that. Fair enough. <laughs> We're on hole nine. What do we got? Uh, yeah, hole nine. After hole you know hole four, you're throwing down the, the massive 500 foot shot to get down the hill, and then you go into the woods, um, and then you come back up the last couple of holes. So hole nine's uh, 250, but about 80 feet of elevation uphill. So it plays across. It plays probably 325, 350. Um, so really, all you have to avoid it wide open on the left side of the basket about 40 50 feet you know circle outside of the basket is uh is a bunch of trees and truly you want to miss so i'm just gonna throw a thunderbird to the right hopefully to let it fade in right next to the basket all right that uh that wraps up the front nine thanks ryan we'll hear part two next time so what makes a disc golf road trip great playing new courses with friends and meeting up with old friends of course but to make a good road trip great you need two other things the first is a signature shot that one throw that everybody talks about not only during that weekend but at subsequent trips for years to come i'm speaking of the ace and fortunately we didn't have to wait long on our second round we played little lehigh and well just listen. What's been the highlight of your trip? This trip has yeah. got to be Shane's Day. Oh, that was that little Lehigh Park play. Very short course. Takes about six hours to play, so it's nice. Hole 11. All right, so we got to go back to Friday evening of this trip. Little Lehigh Valley? Is yes. that what the name of the course? Little Lehigh, yeah. Uh, hole 11. Hole 11. What do you remember about that hole, first of all? how Do you remember the distance? 201. 201. It's yes. kind of like uh, up on a, a Yeah, up yeah. on a knoll. And what disc did you throw there? I have a prototype Prodigy mm-hmm. L7, I think. It's meant to be an understable mid-range that in the four or five years I've been throwing it, it has turned slightly 
three or four times. Out of my hands, it's a, it's a nice, reliable, straight mid-range. Now, let me ask you this, because a lot of us were just chatting on the T-pad. Mm-hmm. Liam seemed to be the only one who saw it. So what exactly did the disc do? What I remember off the T-pad is it hit a little bit of a tree before it dropped into the into the basket. It just tipped the chain, bounced a little bit up and out of the, almost out of the basket. And then straight back and then, down. And then it, I saw it land, and then I spun around and did the most awkward. I just wanted to swing at every hand I could find and high-five, and I looked at Antonio. Mine was sore for several minutes, I Because I, I high-five like a motherfucker, <laughs> and, I, and Antonio knows this, and I spun around and looked at him and drew my hand back. It was just winding it up, and then he withdrew his... <laughs> Until I caught someone else. <laughs> he wanted you to run out of gas. Game. I have been on exactly. the wrong end of many of those high fives. <laughs> so he puts a little of, pepper in them, so watch out. Yeah, there's any sort of signature. It's probably that. So. It just came out right where I wanted it to. It just went straight, light fade in. And as, uh, you know, after my follow through, I look up, I see where it's heading. I feel Liam's steps moving <laughs> further and well, further over, and I hear him going, buttery. That's yeah, buttery. That's, that's what got all of our attention. <laughs> and the problem is... Unless you're right at the tee pad, that's one of those holes where you you can't, you can't see, see the basket. Yeah, we're, yeah. we're looking at woods now. That is your that's your first ace. That was my first ever ace, and I'm yeah. so glad Liam was the only one really paying attention to the game because otherwise it just would have been the most another yeah. ace. You know, would have been the ace that I was with seven people who <laughs> not one, one saw it. How long have you been playing? Playing, I think six years or seven years. I know what you're thinking: audio, or it didn't happen. Unfortunately, we weren't recording at that time. But I was able to make a recreation of what I heard. Buttery. Was that not good enough? Okay, how about an eyewitness account from the only person not named Shane to witness it? Okay, uh, Liam Doyle, quick question for you. You are the only one of us on this trip to actually see Shane's ace. Can you give me a play-by-play? Well, first off, I followed up a really cool hole 10 where we were wishy-washy about throwing, but we ended up throwing. We all got birdies. Everybody's pretty excited. We rolled up to 11. A couple of us had teed off. I believe I had teed off and my partner because we were still in the box. And on that hole in particular, it's hard to really see a tee shot. You have to actually be like beyond on the right side. You have to walk further down the path a little bit. So I was one of the only ones that kind of saw it leave his hand, saw the line, got excited, moved over to the right. And as that thing came in, just just on a hyzer, clipped the trees, smashed the chains, hit the rim on the opposite side, bounced up in the air, faceplate exposed, back down, off the rim again, and into the basket. It was sweet. Nice. And you said buttery. There was a lot of bison buttery, a lot, actually. As on my way over, I said buttery, buttery, buttery. And then there was a very big exclamation of it. Awesome. Thanks a lot. So, we have our signature shot. The second thing we need to make this trip great is a legend. Some story that gets retold every year and has a portion of the unknown to it. What follows is a mystery so baffling that it has remained unsolved to this very day. If you have any information that can help, if you can solve this conundrum, there will most assuredly be a high five in it for you. Just not from Shane. And maybe, just maybe, even a beer. Let's listen. Is there in fact a nine-hole course near any Walmart in Pennsylvania? As far as we know, there is. It was a rainy day. It was right near a Walmart where we got some rainy day supplies. It had rained pretty much all morning on a day that was forecast to be beautiful. We woke up, it was pouring, we hung out for about three hours and figured, well, why are we here? And we're like, we're here to play disc golf. So we went to the Walmart, looked on Disc Golf Course Review, I swear it was there. We found this nine hole course and it was a little bit miserable, but we made the most of it and had a fantastic time nonetheless. And uh, 
ever since then, we want to know what the name of the course is, and we've yet to find it on Disc Golf Course Review, so we're not sure if just a mirage opened up for us on that rainy day, but it's often the magic of this uh, Pennsylvania area with all these courses. Not including this trip, what is your most memorable moment from these trips? No, you know what? There was one year where we come Friday, Saturday, Sunday, leave mm-hmm. Sunday. It rained all day Friday. Our entire drive up here, it rained all day Saturday. Sunday was, it all cleared out. And we were able to get in a proper round. It hit a point on Saturday where we got tired of playing Liar's Dice and whatever other card games we were playing. Mm-hmm. Decided, screw it, we're going to go out, get wet, play, play disc golf. Went to Walmart, got a couple $5 raincoats and went and played just in a full-on rain just rain a little nine hole pitch and putt course a tremendous amount of fun have you played that course ever we since have not played that course because apparently it's in downtown atlantis where it's only surfaced in the rain <laughs> we can't find it again we don't know where the hell it is so if anybody knows about a little small nine hole pitch and putt course near walmart near in Wal- pennsylvania somewhere. a walmart in roughly allentown maybe linersville i don't know where the hell it was did it happen was it a mirage Was it Atlantis? Is there, in fact, a nine-hole course near a Walmart in the Allentown area? Only the disc golf gods know for sure. My feeling is that there is. The abundance of courses in the area and the abundance of Walmarts in America lead me to believe that such a course exists. If someone were just to overlay a map of Walmarts over a map of disc golf courses, this mystery could be solved. But really, who got time for that? Before I end this episode, I'd like to thank JFAT, Shane, Andy, Liam, Antonio, and James for putting up with my request to record, and I would like to thank Wheels for providing the soundtrack for this episode. And now, a random thought. Sweet up, Hudson Valley. We love that dog so much that our Axel? son's middle name is Axel, with a different spelling. The dog was A-X-L, like Axel Rose, and our son is A-X-E-L. And I believe that's the name spelling, and then there's A-X-L-E, L-E, which, which is, is the car park. park. Yeah. Well, at least you researched it.